0: It's NASCAR Coast to Coast on the Motor Racing Network presented by Wheelan Engineering on the road in the air and around the world Wheelan is trusted to be seen trusted to be heard and trusted to perform. MRN pit reporter Chris Wilner here in the Concord North Carolina studios from Stafford Springs Kyle Ricky where we are at Spring Sizzler week Kyle uh we're finally here. We've talked about it all we are all really year long since we started Coast to coast in 2023, about the run-up to this week. It's finally here. Where are the nerves? You excited? Uh, you ready to get going?
1: Yeah, we're, we're ready to go. Um, we wish we wish Mother Nature had a better uh, forecast for the weekend. But, um, you know, I look back to a, an event last year where it was a major race here at the Speedway. It was 100% chance of rain all day, all week long. We got to that day. It went down to about 70%, but it never rained. So hopefully we uh, have a similar circumstance this weekend where, you know, Mother Nature shines on us instead of rains on us. Um, But, yeah, the entry list looks great. I think we're one car shy of 50 uh, for the Open Modifieds and the Napa Spring Sizzler. Uh, The ACT cars will be here. They're approaching 40 cars on their entry list, all of our weekly divisions, uh, averaging about 30 to 32 cars per division. So going to be a great weekend, hopefully.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. And uh, we've got a jam-packed show. We're going to have your uh, cohort, Tufa. We've been dying to get him on the show. Uh, Content creator, director over there at Stafford. uh, has been doing all the -the behind-the-scenes work as well with Kyle. We're going to have him on the show in segment three. So you guys are going to break down what we can expect in the 51st running of the Spring Sizzler. But, of course, we've got plenty also to talk about. Tons of racing this weekend when you talk about the Arkham and Art Series at Talladega. We're going to have Jesse Love, the Venturini Motorsports driver, the 18-year-old out of California, picked up his third career win and first on the Super Speedway and first of this year at Talladega. He'll break that down for us. Bowman Gray opened its season in dramatic fashion with the Hayes Jewelers 200 and much, much more. So let's get into it about what happened this weekend. Kyle, we'll start with Bowman Gray. The Madhouse kicking off another year, hacked grandstands, and what a great race with Burt Myers getting the win. We all thought Tim Brown was going to get it, but uh, then a little bit of contact happened with Danny Bowman.
1: Yeah, he and Danny Bone got together in the last couple laps of the event after uh, Tim led much of the race, as you alluded to, Bert, I think led early, but for the most part, sat around third, fourth, fifth for for much of the the 200 lap distance, uh, but found himself going from third to first in turn four. Uh, about eight laps to go, and then he was able to zip away. No cautions in the last 10 laps, which was a little bit surprising after a rough-and-tumble start to the event. But, uh, yeah, good win for, for Burt Myers, now 89 at Bowman Gray Stadium. Uh, as he continues to add to his win total, Danny Bone, Brandon Ward, Chris Fleming, and James Savali rounding out the top five in what was a, another great season opener at Bowman Gray and a look like what was a near-capacity crowd of roughly 16,000.
0: Yeah, and a lot more people watching on Flow Racing as well. Burt Myers, four wins last year. Again, fell short in the championship in fifth because of that consistency. Tim Brown, we mentioned it, didn't win last year, won the championship. So Burt Myers already off to a good start in 2023. Uh, Let's mention quickly, speaking of big races, Cars Tour with that uh, near record entry list between the late model stocks and the pro late models at Hickory and both finishes were absolutely fantastic, both down to the wire. Carson Quapel, uh somehow held on to the bump and run from Connor Hall because he was dead sideways off a of turn four to win the late model stock event, and Mike Hopkins, second straight win in the pro late model, he too was sideways at the start-finish line, big finish with Brent Cruz. What was your takeaway from all that?
1: Yeah, great racing, uh, great car counts. Uh, you mentioned a record car count, 29 and and 41, they had to run a last-chance race, I believe, for the first time in Cars Tour history. So two great wins. that look like another great crowd there with Carson and Mike uh, both picking up uh, their wins. And, Mike, he's been on a roll here lately. You mentioned two in a row.
0: And a scary scene as well. Isabella Robusto, one of the Toyota drivers making her way up through the ranks, was looking like she was going to be the first female to win uh, in the Cars Tour ranks, but unfortunately spun on the front straightaway. Hit the inside wall. A photographer was standing there. Good news, that photographer was uh, taken to the hospital for evaluation but was ending up being okay because that was absolutely scary. So, uh, you know, photographers out there that take pictures of race cars, it could be a dangerous job for sure, but we're glad everyone was okay. Let's move on to ARCA West. It was a late night, but Sean Hignorini again, Kyle. Back-to-back wins to start the year. We talk about championship and somebody that sets themselves apart from the rest. I think Sean's done so. Now going two for two now at Kern County.
1: Yeah, led the final 39 laps of the event. Uh, we thought it was going to be Landon Lewis uh, led the first 111 laps of the 150 lapper there the other night at Kern County Raceway Park. Sean was able to make the pass. Landon had to settle in the line in second. And yeah, Sean, who uh, I don't think we had even really heard of uh, a year ago or six months ago, is now suddenly become... A championship uh, favorite, currently third in points, only nine outs. Been a uh, great race for the title early on in the season. Top three with all within nine points. So um, Sean's got some momentum on his side now. It's been a bit of a a choppy start to the West schedule, and that'll continue. I think they're off now until June when they go to Portland.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a a weird start to the season. They're kind of back heavy, but ARCA West, though, off and running again. Sean uh, kind of busts. Putting his name into into everyone's minds here uh, as he continues to work his way up the ARCA ladder. Speaking of ARCA, before we get to our special guest, number one of two this week on Coast to Coast, let's break down Talladega. Uh, First time the cars, uh, or not first time, second time the cars have been on the big tracks, Of obviously kicking off the season with Daytona. A lot of anticipation. We all were wondering about the time limit because that race had to deal with that last year. Luckily, we finished under green flag conditions, and it was Jesse Love. Getting his third career win, his first of 2023, with our guest last week, Gustine pushing him to the win.
1: Yeah, Gus was optimistic a week ago, and we'll talk to to uh, Jesse in a moment about that. But uh, felt strong about Venturini's shot at this uh, last Saturday's Talladega race with four cars being in the field. They have dominated the super speedways over the last couple of years. Haven't won the last two, though. Going in the last week, but they finally got the job done finding not one, but two Venturini cars at the front of the field led by Jesse Love. You mentioned the quick nature of the event, uh, not having to run into the NASCAR Xfinity Series race. There was one big wreck. Greg Van Alst uh, got turned, I believe, on the back straightaway while racing two and three wide for position deeper in the pack. I believe Amber Bolkin had to check up, uh, got some of the field stacked up behind her, and Greg took a pretty big shot. Um, after, you know, doing so well early in the year. So luckily he climbed out of the car and hopefully we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time at the Kansas Speedway. But that was probably the biggest hit of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But at least we finished under green flag conditions. Yep. And boy, it was interesting being down there, Kyle, uh, and watching the different style of racing between what we see with the Cup Series and Xfinity Series, where it seems like all 32, 36 cars are there in one group. You had the, the Arkham and Art Series drivers, these little packs that would work together Uh, Almost to me, I would think is a little bit harder racing that way, but it was fun to watch from pit road and congratulations again to Jesse and now Frankie Munez, the star of Malcolm in the Middle is your Arkham and Arts points leader did not have that on my bingo card uh, at the start of 2023.
1: No, not at all. Uh, Somebody that a lot of us grew up with, Malcolm in the Middle. Um, He has been around motorsports for for quite some time. I remember meeting him years ago, probably 15 years ago, at Auto Club Speedway in Southern California. He was there as an honorary race official, I believe. Done some open wheel races and some of the celebrity events that they used to run out on the West Coast. But now here he is, uh, back as a full-time driver and uh, doing well on the national scene, of the Arca Menard Series, uh, I believe the only driver to have finished all three races thus far. And that's why he is the championship points leader. That's
0: right. And they'll be headed to Kansas in the mile and a half in a couple of weeks. Before we get to our special guest, Kyle, a couple big races coming up, or at least one big one on the Arca schedule. Arca East is back in action. Of course, they were a part of the uh, season opener, but Arca East, general tire 150 at Dover. Uh, Dover is a brutal racetrack, no matter if you're racing in NASCAR's top three series or Arca, That is an absolute beast of a racetrack. Of course, Monster of the Mile greets you as you walk in. John Hingrini, the two-time West winner, is in the field, so looking to kind of double-dip a little bit with the E-Series. But uh, the car count, maybe not there, but some big names uh, in the running.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good event uh, for the Ark of Menards East Series. They are always fun when they go to the Monster Mile in Dover. You mentioned that drivers talk about how it is like a roller coaster. We hear about it from the drivers in the Cup Series having to go 400 laps and Xfinity drivers that go 200 laps. Well, it's a bit of a shorter race of the Ark of Menards Series, but if you're not used to the g forces and diving off into the corner and then coming up out of the corner onto the back straightaway and onto the front straightaway it can be a long jarring race i believe there is a break at the midway part uh, or midway point of the event so um, going to be fun It's always a great way to kick off the weekend with the ark of menard's east series at the monster mile a long standing tradition for that series dating back to when it was the old bush north series back in the 90s
0: Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch that on Flow Racing. Plenty of weekly racing as well to get to. Berlin, Florence, Langley, Hickory, all with weekly racing. You can watch a lot of that on Flow as well as uh, ASACRA at Anderson and Bowman Gray back for week number two. All right, time to get to our guest who is on the other end of the break. That is Jesse Love, two-time ARCA West champion and now winner at Talladega in the ARCA Menard Series. He's next here on Coast to Coast. Welcome back into NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheel and Engineering. As promised, the Venturini Motorsports driver who picked up his third career Arkham and Art Series win and first on a super speedway joins us. We're talking about Jesse Love. Jesse, you just told me off camera that we were we're living the dream here. Uh, what's the reaction now? Several days removed from Talladega. Uh, I know it was an emotional win for you, but um, boy, it's got to feel good to get one off the off the bucket list of getting a super speedway win.
3: Yeah, I never knew what people meant about like letting it soak in. Like for me, it just kind of hits me right away, um, and I, it definitely did hit me right away. But now I'm just kind of back in the swing of things, getting ready for this weekend in Montgomery, uh, thinking about this in two weeks, and uh, it's it's all great. But I just definitely don't want to get you know complacent. It's definitely um, a big wave of momentum that I can ride, but at the same time, I'm just trying to uh, stay focused on you know what's to come. And obviously, it was great to win Talladega i um, huge for the points all that stuff after Phoenix and everything so uh, but now I'm just kind of focused on the next one and want to go win more races.
1: Already looking ahead but uh, what was that moment like taking the checkered flag and what will you remember about the, the minutes and maybe the hours that followed?
3: Well I thought there was no way I, I was going to lose Daytona. Um, I was leading at Phoenix and I thought there was no way I was going to lose Phoenix um, and I lost both of them so uh Going into Talladega, I knew that I've said I changed some stuff and changed some mindset and how I went about things. And when I crossed our finish line, I just was able to let all that emotion out and everything that I'd kind of just buried deep the last few weeks. Uh, I was able to just kind of release. So it felt great. It felt awesome. I was happy that my mom was there to see it. Um, she doesn't get to come to a lot of races. So I was happy that she was there, had a lot of family and friends, and obviously. Speedway races are hard to win. They're unpredictable. You never really know what you're going to get. So uh, when you do win them, it means a lot. And it's obviously hard to win them. So it makes it a little bit more sweet.
0: I know you uh after Daytona, you say you're going to change your approach for Talladega. What kind of things did you want to maybe do differently from Daytona? I mean, top 10 at Daytona, but still I know you wanted to change some things. So kind of what was your approach different uh with Talladega?
3: Well, I uh shortened my haun straps up about an inch, uh, tugged my belt so. I'll hider and, and just was try to be the most aggressive guy out there. Um, you know, I already already wrecked at Phoenix. So I kind of knew what it was like to wreck on a big track and wasn't scared of that anymore and just kind of went into it and knew that I needed to be really aggressive and kind of try to control the whole race. So um got a good start, but obviously we fell back to like seventh at one point, uh starting restart behind that seven car just couldn't take off, couldn't punch a good hole in the air. So After that, I was just, you know, whatever happens, happens, and I was just being as aggressive as I can, trying to lead every single lap that was up to take, and uh, obviously it paid off well. So um, I still have a lot to learn about speedway racing. I know I think I know a lot, but I also know that I don't know a lot, so uh, definitely still learning about speedway racing in general, but I think my approach this weekend was pretty good and one that I'll probably stick to for a little bit.
1: We had Gus Dean on the show last week, uh, also from Venturini Motorsports, and he was very optimistic about Venturini's uh, shot. Obviously, they're always strong when it comes to the Super Speedway events. How important was it to have him behind you there over the closing laps?
3: It was big. Um, You know, throughout the whole race, I was really focused on knowing what my car could and couldn't do. I think that we have the best Speedway cars, so I know that if my car could barely do this, then other cars probably couldn't, and, you know, vice versa, so... I just kind of experimented the whole race. Um, and I kind of knew what Gus was going to be able to do. and wasn't going to be able to do. Um, you know, we have a lot of things that help make our bubble bigger and things like that. So I was just trying to drag as big of much break as I could to try to keep the whole field packed up. And I think that's why, like, when people try to make a run the top, there's just no energy. Um, obviously the 18 thought it was a good idea to, you know, drag the eight back until they were out of the draft. So then there's like two less cars. Right. So uh, when I heard that happen, I was even more optimistic, but coming to the checker, just trying to block every lane, listening to my spotter, Tyler Mon. um, happy for him. I feel like he's, you know, lost a good bit with, with Kyle just in no fault of his own. And, uh, and I thought I was gonna do it to him again, just trying to block as aggressively as I could. But looking back at the video, I had more room than I thought you can't really see out of the mirrors, um, and them and them things cause you have so many braces and stuff and the spoilers are, you know, six inches tall. So I was just really focused on listening to Tyler making sure that nobody was able to push me out or drag back or anything like that. And I think that's why at the end, it was like just smooth sailing. It was one of the easier wins.
0: All right. So we checked that box. You got your ARCA win this year. So we're off and rolling on that department. But like you said, you're looking forward to Montgomery. I know you uh, are out at Millbridge almost every week running for for Chad and is that all a part of the TRD kind of programs to get you constantly behind the wheel, whether it's a late model or obviously on the dirt, uh, teaming up with Chad. I mean, is that, do you like doing that? Just kind of different disciplines.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I've always looked up to guys like Kyle and Christopher and AJ Foyt, Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, guys like that growing up, because they can kind of do anything. Um, I never ran a whole lot of dirt growing up to really be good at it Um, or obviously decent, but not, being able to win on a daily basis. Right. So uh when I met Chad, like that was part of the whole TRD program out at Millbridge. And we kind of got clicking and he just kind of took me under his wing a good bit. And we just focused on, you know, developing certain things, fixing, you know, one thing, then fixing the next thing. Um, and then now I feel like we're we're on a pretty good role of being able to, you know, win and contend every night in the micro and then uh, we were we ran the midget like four times last year and you know we went quick time two nights and then we almost won Davenport, led a good bit of the race there. Uh, but just ran up front a lot and we're gonna do a lot more midget racing because of that. So um I love it. I love obviously dirt racing is kind of what I grew up doing a good bit of as well. Um, and I wanna obviously get really good at it. So uh it, it's kind of both me and TRD of wanting to do this, um, but also that it's also mainly Chad as well as far as the micro and the midgets go like um I'm not really running for TRD a whole lot in the micro side of things that's more running for Chad so um I'm really you know blessed and grateful that Chad gives me the opportunity to come race and hopefully when we go run these USAC races that we can make it all worth it
0: and hopefully you can win at Millbridge when I'm there because I feel like as the announcer I must have like a curse or something every time I'm not there because of a commitment you win and then I'm there and you run second so we got we got to turn this thing around here
3: Yeah, I I thought there was no way I was going to lose last week, and I found a way, so um, I was that was the most mad I've probably ever been after a race, and obviously it paid off at Talladega, but it kind of actually did switch up some mindsets. Normally, like, how you run at Millbridge is going to set up the rest of your week. Uh, We said it with, like, me, Brent, Sheldon, but this week it was kind of the opposite. I ran, like, fourth at Millbridge, and I won Talladega, so that was good, but um, definitely got to start clicking off a few and and slow down Cannon. (laughs)
1: When looking at the uh, the ARCA schedule uh, coming up, obviously, you guys have excelled on super speedways, uh, a win, another top 10 in Daytona, and and you're up front all day there. Where are your strengths now going forward with some of the mile and a half and some of the short tracks and later in the year, some dirt tracks coming up?
3: Yeah, well, I've won a speedway, a short track, a dirt track. I've won on a road course, so like, I don't really think I have a whole lot of weaknesses. Um, but for me, I feel like our cars are really good at Kansas and that's the next race. So I feel really good about Kansas. Uh, We've had a great guy in Corey Heim, like able to develop that package that we bring to that racetrack. Um, But all in all, I'm not really focused on what number of races I can or can't win. And I'm not really focused on, you know, this number of wins or a championship. I just want to go win the next race. And obviously at the end of the year, if I win 10 races or 12 races and don't win a championship, my season's way more validated than winning two races in, in a championship. So I'm just going into the year trying to win the next race. Um, And at the end of the year, when I look back and I see that total number of wins, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be proud of it.
0: You know, you talked about the dirt, but on the pavement side, on the late model, what kind of does your schedule look like? And how much do you enjoy that discipline as well? You know, you talk about learning things on dirt that can translate, but especially when you get in a different discipline on asphalt, like a late model, uh, what's the excitement level there? And what, what are your plans for that this year?
3: Yeah. So this weekend we're at Montgomery, uh, we rained out last uh, two weeks ago when we tried to race there, but we were fastest in practice and had a really good car. So I feel really confident going back there, but, um, you know, all my, you know, races I've won the super late, I feel like are pretty gripped up places that have a lot of grip and you're able to get the power down and drive hard. But like these down South tracks, I'm running with Donnie Wilson are super tire sensitive and all, and all this stuff, and it just eats tires up. So, I'm kind of having a learning curve. I feel like I suck at them sometimes, but um, we were really good last weekend. I think we're making big gains with it, so um, I'm looking forward to it. I feel like we've been, again, a lot better. Uh, we were fast at the Rattler, and we were fast at Montgomery, so hopefully we can obviously go win this weekend. That'd be you a know, pretty big win for me, and uh, obviously just trying to get ready for the end of the year kind of stuff when you know the Nashville races come about, Winchester 400, things like that.
1: So obviously, a lot going on between the dirt stuff, the late model stuff, the ARCA stuff, and you're in the run. You mentioned it a moment ago, running for for a championship now, second in points. Is that something you even look at?
3: Yeah, like I said, for me, it my season's way more validated by winning ten ARCA races and no championship than two races in a championship, but the good thing is that if I win 10 races, I'm probably going to win the championship. So, um, I'm not really too worried about that. Um, I think you can lose a lot of sleep over it and I'm running like 80 something races this year, uh, between dirt and pavement. So I don't really have time to think a whole lot about a championship. I just got to go think about winning the next race. And I think if I do that, that the championships, you know, obviously going to take care of itself. So, uh, Daytona was okay for points uh phoenix was gonna be really good and then it was awful for points and then talladega was was max points today so or almost max points so uh we're making big gains at it obviously kansas we get into these next stretch of races and i think it's gonna really start to separate itself um but yeah it'd be great if i could just might have to show up to the last race and, and go run something else but <laughs> obviously i'm not gonna do that but it would be nice to kind of have that security going into the last race of the year
0: When you look at your career as a whole and kind of where you're at right now, are you you happy at the trajectory? I mean, we talk to young drivers all the time on this show about, oh, you know, I wish I was here or, you know, I think this is the next step. And and the path to where you want to be ultimately in the top level of the sport is so different from everybody. But just curious from your perspective, where we're at now, are are you happy with where things are going? And ultimately, I know your goal is to get to the top level.
3: Yeah, I'm really happy. You know how the end of last year went, it set me up to this year and the following years kind of having a bunch of different options and stuff. Um, So obviously looking at like myself, Ty Gibbs, Corey Heim, Sammy Smith, right? I'm in that 18 year old age of just go run a year ARCA and obviously get really good at those big tracks and stuff. And then whether that goes to Xfinity next or goes to cup racing next, um, I think I'd be pretty content with either or. So I'm happy with the payment side of things. Uh, I like where I'm at right now. I like um, with the, you know, the partners that we have going on right now, obviously you're always looking for more, but I'm happy with with who we have on board right now. And uh, the dirt side of things I'm also pretty happy with. I think me and Chad have a good relationship right now and we're able to hopefully, you know, build something up pretty big in the next few years.
1: Final question for you. Uh, we mentioned second in points, Frankie Munez, the points leader, you even know who he is
3: um i've never spoken a word to him uh i'd never watched uh malcolm middle growing up but um i guess i'm getting beat by movie stars, so i better step up the, to the plate here in a bit but uh he actually does a good job i'm actually uh pretty impressed by the job he has done um he keeps his nose clean really well he's finished i think he's probably the only guy that in the top five that's finished old races um either you wrecked at daytona he wrecked at phoenix or talladega so he's doing a good job. He's keeping his nose on it and uh, he has pretty decent speed. So hats off to him for real. And he's doing a good job and uh, hopefully we can race it out here in a bit.
0: Well, that's a fun story to follow for sure. But Jesse, thank you so much for your time, man. I know you just hit the gym. You're a busy guy. You're always looking for the next thing. Looking forward to seeing you out at the racetrack, whether it's Millbridge or of course uh, out the short tracks or or the Arkham Art series. But congratulations, man, on the win. I know the first of many this year. Best of luck the rest of the way.
3: I appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. Thank you. Jesse you
0: Love, your Arkham and Art series winner from Talladega. Coming up next, oh boy, we get to dive into the spring sizzler. That's all coming up on NASCAR coast to coast, presented by Wheeland Engineering. inside the mrn studios for nascar coast-to-coast Coast, presented by will and engineering as promised probably one of our most anticipated shows kyle ricky we get a double dose of stafford motor speedway that's right your cohort director content creator basically the guy who does it all for you uh Bonsa oh. is joining you as you guys get set for the 51st napa spring sizzler this weekend at stafford uh first of all bonza this has been a moment i've been waiting for to get you on the show You guys excited? You guys don't look as tired as I thought for uh, the run-up to this event, but are you guys excited?
4: Oh, I'm not tired from preparing for the season. I'm just tired because I've been dealing with him the whole entire time. I just put on a good face so it doesn't seem like I'm exhausted.
0: And Kyle, what about you? You guys ready?
1: Yeah, we're ready to go. It's been a busy, what, six months? Yep. uh, Since the season wrapped up here last, last fall. Uh, we've been to like 50 race shops getting content. We've had a bunch of drivers in the uh, in the green screen session here at the Speedway preparing. Uh, track looks great. New safer walls, uh, a new walkway in the main grandstands, a new bar extension, a lot of improvements in and around the property. Um, we have not been responsible for any of those construction type projects, just talking about them. But uh, and now if we can get, get Mother Nature to cooperate this weekend, we'll be in good shape.
0: I was gonna say you buried the lead new bar should have been the first thing you said, but
1: Sorry. Uh, just,
0: that's just in my opinion, but let's, let's, let's look at the, just the event itself, obviously for folks, maybe tuning into this program going, what the heck is the spring sizzler? I mean, it's only the biggest event in new England. Uh, I don't know what the official, I don't know entry list wise, how many cars you guys are expected to have, but, uh, Kyle Bonta, why don't you walk us through what fans can expect, obviously the headliner are going to be those open modifieds, but you still have plenty of racing on uh Saturday and Sunday.
4: Well, it's called the greatest race in the history of spring for a reason. Uh, Not many races have 50 editions, and this is the 51st. So it's the premier modified event in the Northeast, but as you mentioned, there's a lot of racing that goes on. The Saturday headliner besides the Napa Auto Parts dual qualifying races is the American Canadian Tour, making its first appearance at Stafford in over 30 years. And there's 40 cars on that entry list. And the ACT, they they put on a good show up and down the Northeast and even up to uh, Canada. So I'm excited for that field. I think it's going to be underrated because it's such a stacked list of competitors, local tour regulars. It has all the mix of a good show. So you can root for the locals like Andrew Moeller, Woody Pitcat, Adam Gray, Tom Fern, or you can root for DJ Shaw and so on. So That's the main event on Saturday. We had the Napa Auto Parts dual qualifying races that set the top 20 for the Sizzler on Sunday. And then we have our five weekly divisions racing as well: Street Stocks and Limiteds on Saturday, SKs, late models, and SK Lights on Sunday. So there's probably what, eight, nine features overall over the two days. As long as Mother Nature plays nice, and we have 50 modifieds entered, including last year's winner Matt
1: Hirschman. Doug Kobe is going to be a part of the field. Uh, a lot of the regulars: Keith Rocco, Todd Owen, um, SK Modified types going to be uh, in the Spring Sizzler. It's an event that started by three businessmen 52 years ago. Now in 1972, Dick Berggren, who you may know that name uh, from from all of his national uh, motorsports broadcasting opportunities over the years including right here with the motor racing network helped start this event the Arute family took it over in 1973 and have just uh, made it to uh, one of the most marquee short track events in the country and especially uh for modified racing up here in the northeast
0: what's been the reaction from the community obviously we get fans that come from all over but i mean the community really embraces this event both of you guys live in the area uh, obviously, Kyle, you travel with the Motor Racing Network, but uh, do you feel the energy around the Stafford area in, in Connecticut, New England, for this event?
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, when the when the checkered flags come out downtown Stafford, uh, you're driving up Main Street for major events like the Spring Sizzler, like SRX weekend, uh, like the fall final at the end of the season. You know, the 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 the, the county. County Town, Stafford Springs, they come out in full forces. Um, you know, they they provide a, a lot of the uh, you know traffic and all that signage around uh, the the region. So they're they're very much part of it. Uh, neighbors love it. I think most of the folks that that work here on property, helping out with the construction of the different parts of the facility, are all local companies. So everybody seemingly in this area is involved in the racetrack currently. And I think that's been the case for the better part of 50 years.
0: Onza you guys have been putting out content galore, and I know you've had a big hand in that shooting, editing. You guys traveled to all these race shops. Give us an idea, maybe some of the big names that maybe fans can expect to see running up front on Sunday. Obviously, we mentioned Matt Hirschman back in the field, again, winning last year's event and some of those big names. But, you know, I just was glancing over, again, haven't really dived into it, but with Bobby Santos in the field, you know, he's going to be good, but some of your local drivers as well. So who do you have your eye on? Who seems confident going into this weekend?
4: Well, Kyle mentioned that there's 50 cars in the entry list. I think it's easier to list the drivers who don't have a chance at winning the Spring Sizzler. That's how stacked this lineup is. You talk about local drivers. Ronnie Williams has three open modified wins at Stafford, including one last year, and he got four top fives out of five races. He's going to be a favorite. Todd Owen, two-time defending SK Modified Champion, he got better at the end of the season in the Open Modified Division. Plus, he's got a different ride this year. He's not driving the 81 for the Open. He's driving the 20 car. Keith Rocco, he has two Open Modified wins. He won a 100-lapper here a couple years ago. Who else? Mike Christopher Jr., a former Open Modified winner at Stafford. Different car for him, driving the 17. There's just so many off the top of my head, and I'm probably forgetting others, but you mentioned Matt Hirschman, Woody Pitcat. Three straight open modified wins at Stafford trying to make it four in a row. Ron Silk, the last time he was here, he won the fall final last season. He's never won a spring sizzler. Eric Goodale's won an open modified race here. I could go on for a long time, but there's so many drivers that you can come up with a reason as to why they have a chance at winning twenty thousand plus dollars. And I Kyle. Like that and
0: o- yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, Kyle, what do you think?
1: Uh, you know, uh, he hit them all. I mean, there's there's 20 drivers that could easily win this race on uh, Sunday afternoon. There's 50 on the entry list, roughly 50. I think we're at 48, 49 right now. Um, Woody pitcat has been strong here the last year uh, or so, uh, winning three in a row last summer for the Open Modifieds. Matt Firstman is obviously a favorite. Don Kobe has a lot of experience here. I think, you know, a Mike Christopher Jr. would be um, – Maybe not an upset, but because he's won here at Open Modified's before, but it'd be a pretty cool and special win to keep that Christopher name alive in the spring sizzler. Uh Todd Owen is a two-time and defending SK champion. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It's gonna be uh hopefully an amazing weekend of racing here.
4: But here's the thing is that you mentioned Bobby Santos the third. Yeah. Bobby Santos didn't even qualify for the Sizzler last year. Neither did Keith Rocco. So even though we have all these good drivers, there's 50 of them, but only Just over 30 can make the race. So it's going to be a task for these drivers, no matter how good they are, to have a clean Saturday, get through the duels, and not have to worry about the last chance qualifier on Sunday. So we have to see if any big names might surprise in a bad way by not making the race. That's
0: a good point. You talk about preparation to make sure you're in the race. I know you guys just had practice over the weekend. How did that go? I mean, is everybody feeling confident Um, Obviously, we're still looking at the weather. uh, I'll do my anti-rain dance over here during the week, but uh, how did practice weekend go? It was
1: good. Uh, 135, 140 cars uh, were on property. uh, Had a couple of incidents, as we usually do uh, on opening day with a green racetrack and um, a lot of young drivers that haven't been in the seat in the better part of six months, but uh, not too much tore up equipment. I think only one or two had to go off on the hook. A lot of people with with high hopes, you know, I mean it's going to be a long season ahead, uh, not only is everyone thinking about the, the Napa Spring Sizzler this weekend, but also, you know, that Friday night grind that begins here in, in a couple of weeks that brings us right through the month of September and everybody's hopes of winning this year's ch- track championship and everybody has zero points right now and uh, has equal shot at, at the, t- the track titles this year, so um, it was good. It was a, a great day. I uh, wish Mother Nature would would provide some of that sunshine this weekend. Hopefully she will, but uh, everybody got a feel for the racetrack and seemed to leave uh, with smiles. Before we
0: let you two go, uh, each of you maybe pick a, a moment or or something about this event that stands out to you. Like why, why is this event special to you? Bonsa, we'll start with you. What makes the Spring Sizzler the Spring Sizzler for you?
4: I go back to last year because Matt Hirschman, who's won a ton of races in his career, they call him Big Money Matt for a reason. He's won so many big modified events up and down the East Coast, but he never won at Stafford, period, let alone the Sizzler. So when he won, you ask many people, he's pretty level-headed in victory lane. You know, he acts like he's done it before. That night when he won the Spring Sizzler and he grabbed that giant trophy, that was the most emotion I've ever seen from Matt Hirschman by far, that explains how much that race and that win meant to Matt. And that's why the Spring Sizzler is what it is. Yeah,
1: and I look at a bigger picture. Um, you know, the, the purse money, the, the field of cars, the the
4: talent, the,
1: the the grandstands that will be hopefully full on Sunday. Uh, what the Arup family has made this event over the last 51 years, take out the COVID year. Uh, but this is the 51st run, running of the event um it it's you know the the pre-race pop and circumstance everything that occurs in and around the event makes it special and uh i can't wait for for this
4: year's edition here hopefully in a couple days and look at the drivers who have won this race in the past richie evans fred DeCero maynard troyer ted christopher stefanik kobe the list goes on that's the who's who of modified racing one of these drivers, it would mean so much for them to add their name to that illustrious list of Sizzler winners.
0: Well, guys, I wish you the best of luck. I am super excited. I'm bummed I'm not, I'm going to miss it. But our colleague Steve Post, I know, is going to be excited to get up there here this weekend. Uh, for race fans still thinking about going, tickets still available? What's the situation on that?
1: They are. Stafferspeedway.com. Tickets are available. Most of our reserve seating, I believe, is sold out. But uh, general admission tickets are available uh, in advance or you can get them on race morning at Main Gate. Sounds like a plan. Looking forward to it again.
0: Wishing you guys the best. Hoping Mother Nature cooperates. Sponsored to for Kyle mm-hmm. Uh Looking forward to it. I know you guys put in a lot of work. I know you guys put in are, are super excited about this event. And uh, again, this is just the start of the Stafford season in 2023. But what a way to do it with the spring sizzler. Well, that's going to wrap us up here. For NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheelin Engineering, on the road, in the air, and around the world, Whelan is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. For Kyle and Bonza, I'm Chris Wilner, our producer Pat Jaggers. We'll see you next time on Coast to Coast.